Hello and welcome to this informative podcast on atopic dermatitis with dermatologist Dr. Francis Lai from Southern Dermatology in Melbourne. This podcast is delivered in collaboration with La Roche-Posay and Severavie. My name is Francis, a dermatologist at Southern Derm as well. Um, and today I'd like to guide us through a management plan with Expo and highlighting what the therapeutic landscapes are in Expo in 2021. So these are my disclosures and none are particularly relevant for today. So our overview for today is that I would like to take us through a bit about the pathogenesis of eczema and uh, what the causes are, the skin barrier defect, and also the Th2 immune system profile that's very overly active in eczema. And I'll then go through some general measures talking about the moisturizers that are commonly used the active ingredients, treatment of infected eczema, and current therapeutic bladder or treating of eczema, as well as the new, emerging, exciting therapies that are coming along the pipeline. We know that the skin barrier is an integral issue that's at, at the play here. Um, instead of having a very well, uh, very well um, built brick and mortar that protects us from the external environment, we've got what's known as a dry, cracked brick wall where the bricks are the skin cells and the mortar are the lipids that are missing in patients with eczema. There are obviously a lot of other factors in play as well, such as a filaggrin mutation, missing some of the ceramides and lipids. And because of the dry cracked brick wall, we then end up with water loss, evaporation from the skin, and also the environmental barriers completely exposed. So things like cat, dog, hair, pollen, dust, all those things that can get in inflame the immune system and the immune system saying, what's going on here? And all of the alarm bells are ringing and the, there's a whole immune cascade that's set off and thereby causing itch. It's often an itch scratch cycle as well. The more it itches, the more we scratch, the more the skin barrier falls apart and thereby it goes on. So it's very important that we educate our patients on what's going on here and thereby understanding why we suggest the treatments that we offer. Apart from the skin barrier, the immune system also plays a very important role. There are genetic conditions where we are inherently dry in terms of our skin, but they don't necessarily have eczema. So it takes also an altered immune system to develop eczema. And we increasingly now know that the Th2 pathway, where there's interleukin 4, 13, 31, IgE, all of those factors play a very important role. Apart from that, the skin dysbiosis is now increasingly being recognized as well. So in normal skin on the left, we've got a healthy level of diverse amount of bacteria, while on the right, we know that there's a loss of diversity with increased amounts of staph aureus. And it's still a bit in, in play at the moment as to which one's a chicken and which one's an egg. Is it because of the impaired skin barrier that we have more staph or the other way around? Many faces of eczema, I'm sure we've seen lots of patients with eczema here, both in pharmacies and GP. In children and babies, it's often very edematous, very red, often affecting the dribble line where the saliva dissolves that skin barrier even more. While in young children and toddlers and older kids, it's more in the flexures, affecting the anticubital fossa and popliteal uh, fossa as well. In adults, it's more dry and more like kenified and can sometimes be more patterned as well as Ashling's went through, uh, Ash, Ashling went through it as um, contact allergens that also come into play. 
with allergic contact dermatitis. And as adults, we come into contact with more things with our hands, in our occupation, and also there can be airborne patterns as well. Most of the childhood eczemas do tend to resolve and new studies are showing that about 60 to 70% resolve by the age of 12. But you can still get adult eczema and about 25% of people get eczema developing an onset in adult years. Associations to look for, HRP, hay fever, asthma, food allergies all come together. And this is more seen in those who get eczema in their very early younger years. While in adults, there's a slightly less association with atopic conditions. Autoimmune conditions are not uncommonly seen as well, such as alopecia areata, vitiligo, celiac disease and other endocrinological disorders. And increasingly, we're also realising that eczema is also a pro-inflammatory state. I think we, most of us would know that psoriasis is a very metabolic condition where there's pro-inflammatory cytokines, we're at risk of heart disease, and in eczema, increasingly, there's more evidence showing that there's risk of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, all come hand in hand. It's a chronic inflammatory state. There's also an increased risk of depression, suicidality, both in children and adults who suffer eczema, and often underrecognized parental anxiety and depression as well. Ocular issues is something that I think is quite useful to highlight in that, yes, there are very rare side effects of using steroid creams on eyelid eczema, but undertreated eczema is also at risk of developing ocular side effects due to chronic rubbing and friction as well, and the eczema under the eyelids. I like to touch a bit about moisturisers. There's many different types of moisturisers and they come in many different forms. Ointments and balms are the our preferred versions because they are much more hydrating. They've got more fatty lipids, sheer butter, and they allow more hydration to that dry, crack, bracked, uh, cracked brick wall. While uh, creams and lotions, although they feel watery, actually have a lot more water and as a result evaporate a lot more. As I mentioned, the skin microbiome is increasingly being realised as a key part, and there are emerging treatments such as the La Roche Lipica range, which has natural uh, skin microbiome that's being replaced back as well. Wound healing ability is another key important uh, benefit of moisturisers, creating an artificial barrier, and can be used on eroded, excoriated skin to give us a temporary artificial barrier to allow the skin to heal. But I can harp on all about different ointments and using a thick moisturisers, but the patient has to like it in the end. So often we do give them a sample of various ones and they can decide which one they prefer. These are some of the common ones that we often, and I would often give to my patients. Uh, as I mentioned before, the Lipica does have some normal natural microbiome that's been uh, formulated to help increase the diversity of, uh, of the skin. It's also got niacinamide, which helps wound healing and the Cicoplast is a more stickier ointment that has zinc, which promotes wound healing and can be used on open sores, erosions and cracks, and also has panthenol, which is vitamin B5, which helps with wound healing as well. As Ashling and, and uh, Ryan mentioned before, ceramides are crucial uh, for eczema, as often that's missing in uh, patients with atopic dermatitis, so QV intensive and CeraV both have ceramides as well. Use of steroid creams, very important. And I think that ties back to our understanding of eczema. If we 
cover all the cracks in the brick wall with moisturizers, we still have to address the actual inflammatory state that's going on. And so steroid creams are crucial in our treatment of eczema and they should be used very generously and liberally until the eczema is completely cured. Often we see patients who are undertreated for eczema. I think it's very important I often get my patients to get a sample tube of Advantan, get them to squeeze out a bit and show me how much they actually put, because often it would be quite surprising. They'll say, I'm using the strongest steroid cream, but one tube lasts them a year or so. So we have to also find out how much they're using. And I like to think of the analogy of a bushfire where you know, there's no point on putting a garden hose on a bushfire. You have to completely firebomb it out, make sure there's no smoldering embers and you keep going until the eczema is completely gone. This is a, a consensus recommendation from the Australian College and you can always uh, refer back to this, but I definitely recommend ongoing use until the eczema is completely clear. This is an example of uh, eczema treatment uh, for severe eczema where we've got facial eczema, which we can treat with Advantan fatty ointment uh, twice a day for two weeks and then change to hydrocortisone, Elidel or tacrolimus as maintenance. As we know that calcineurin inhibitors are non-steroids, so they're very safe to use long-term. I do find that they can tend to sting, especially when the skin barrier hasn't been completely fixed. And I think um, it, they're helpful for maintenance treatment, but for acute flares, we do have to still use a medium potency steroid cream. For truncal eczema, uh, Elifrat twice a day, sorry, there's a typo there, uh, twice a day for two weeks until it's completely resolved and then changing down to what's known as weekend treatment or twice a week treatment. There's good studies to show that one year use of weekend therapy does not cause any skin atrophy at all. Important to always apply the moisturizer first and also to give adequate amounts of steroid cream as well. So authority prescription should always be given if there's a large body surface area that's involved. I think worthwhile going through the myths that are unfortunately ever present on the internet about using, using steroid creams. Um, and one of them is skin uh, atrophy from steroid creams. Unfortunately, that's very prevalent and we get a lot of questions. I think it's very important that we as dermatologists, GPs and pharmacists have consistent messaging, a bit like the AstraZeneca vaccine. It's very important that we tell the same thing because patients will come and ask us the same thing and seek guidance and seek reassurance. They'll often ask the same question to different people. So I think it's very important that we are clear and consistent that yes, steroid atrophy can happen, but it's only if you were to use it inappropriately using an ultra potent steroid in an inappropriate site for months on end. But for proper eczema skin, it feels thicker, it looks thicker. If you biopsy it, it's thicker. There's acanthosis and thickening. So there's absolutely no harm. In terms of using uh, steroid creams and causing, um, causing uh, skin dependence, some patients will say, look, you know, I use steroid creams, it works. Then it, I stop, it comes back. My skin must be addicted to steroids. Often that's a reflection of underuse of steroids. So you haven't completely put out the fire and then you've stopped the steroids too early. And steroid, unfortunately, uh, eczema, sorry, un unfortunately is a chronic condition. It should be used sparingly or thinly, uh, as alluded to with the bushfire analogy, that should not be used, uh, should not be done. And avooding uh, use on open excoriations and scratches. These are 
exactly the areas where there's excess inflammation, the itch receptors are going wild. These are exactly the areas that we want steroid creams on and moisturizers to promote wound healing as well. Unfortunately, most people, because of these myths, are very undertreated. And this is an example of lichenification, where there's thickening of the eyelids to the point where there's a lot of wrinkling as well. Uh, infected eczema, I think, is worthwhile touching upon, uh, often very common. This is an example of the Royal Children's um, Bleach Bath Guidelines, uh, and it's a very helpful way to reduce the staph colonisation and improve skin microbiome diversity. Uh, always helpful to swab, treat appropriately, and soaking the crust off is often forgotten. So there's no point in slathering cream and moisturisers on if there's still thick layers of crust. And the soak and smear method is a very helpful routine where we soak the skin in bleach bath. So although it sounds scary, it's uh, completely much lighter than swimming pool water. And then followed up by uh, liberal amounts of steroid cream and moisturizer. So really hydrating the skin that way. Uh, I'd like to briefly touch upon discoid eczema because I think this is often a bit under-recognized and because of its distribution can often look a little bit more confusing. Um, but this is a type of very chronic, intensely itchy eczema that's often infected and weeping. Um, and in this case, often you do need to use potent or almost uh, ultra-potent steroids, even under occlusion, treating that secondary bacterial infection, soaking that crust off, uh, sometimes to dermatologists uh, for intralesional steroids if they're adults, um, using um, and using uh, psychotherapy to break that itch scratch cycle because often it's almost a habit. I did hear about Ashling's pearl about using steroid uh, tablets, but I think in this case, um, sometimes if it's very severe, a short course of steroids can break that cycle and help our creams along as well. So you've done all of that and you've treated 99% of your eczema. Unfortunately, there's still going to be some patients who have really severe eczema that's not going to respond. And that's where a referral to a dermatologist comes in. And we can offer things such as UVB, which is a filtered version of sunlight, uh, very, very safe, acts as a local immune suppressant to the skin to reduce that Th2 inflammatory pathway. Using uh, steroid sparing agents such as cyclosporin, methotrexate, azathioprine, and mycophenolate. These were the agents that we were stuck with for the last 10, 20 years until dupilumab's come along. And these older agents do work to some extent and control things, but unfortunately, often they do carry other side effects such as immune suppression and liver and kidney issues as well. So we're all very excited to have dupilumab on board now, and I'll touch upon that a little bit more. But just to highlight, there's a few other new biologics that are coming through the pipeline. So it's a very exciting landscape and we're following in the footsteps of um, psoriasis as well. So both biologics, uh, which are monoclonal antibodies, and um, JAK inhibitors, which are small molecule agents. So dupilumab is an IL-4 receptor alpha blocker. It's a very specific and smartly designed medication that blocks the receptor, which IL-4 and 13 both act upon. And these are key immune drivers in eczema. It's so specific that it's not even considered an immune suppressant, which is really exciting in the context of COVID and other infectious diseases. Um, and it's been just approved on the PBS early this year, this year. So it's been a complete game changer and very transformative in patients with severe eczema. Not just for the body, 
but there's also PBS indication for severe facial eczema or severe hand eczema. So that's a group to also remember that they do qualify for. And as Ryan mentioned, the DLQI, which is a, a quality of life survey, is also factored in, in their criteria as well. Uh, there's some other criteria there, uh, such as the physician global assessment should be four out of four, sorry, and then also an easy score, which is something that the dermatologist would do to score the eczema. Very well tolerated. Itch typically resolves within two to three weeks. So you've had patients who can't sleep for years on end, who's suddenly noticed their itch is completely resolved. The skin then follows in three to four months time. Side effects are generally very mild and it's very well tolerated. The main side effect to counsel our patients upon is ocular issues and it's an idiopathic iatrogenic, uh, idiopathic side effect, sorry, uh, that only occurs in patients with eczema. Dupilumab is also uh, approved for severe asthma, but we don't see ocular side effects in that group for some reason, so we don't fully understand yet but about 5 to 15%, so a little bit higher than these trial numbers, 5 to 15% in real-world data get some form of either eye irritation, which is generally very mild, and it's very rare for any patient to need to stop these. They also have significantly reduced numbers of uh, eczema herpeticum and skin infections because the skin barrier has healed with dupilumab. Uh, Baricitinib is the other new one, so it's been TGA-approved and hopefully will be uh, coming online next year. Um, it's a small molecule uh, medication, so it acts on the JAK inhibitor, which is sort of like a gateway to a lot of the interleukins. Um, so it's a tablet, unlike dupilumab, which was a fortnightly injection. This is a tablet, and it's a daily tablet, and again, very well tolerated. But having heard some of the data, this is probably the one of the first JAK inhibitors, but probably the least effective out of all the ones that are coming through. So very exciting times. Again, very well tolerated, excellent safety data, no thromboembolic risk or increased risk of infections, and some very mild side effects as listed up there. So I think biologics and small molecules are really going to change the face of severe eczema. They've been a group that's been very, unfortunately, um, difficult to treat and often having a huge impact on their quality of life. So it's very exciting. I think we would welcome uh, any uh, sort of uh, uh, treatments. Uh, these, this group of patients would welcome any sort of treatments because they've often had 10s and 20, 20 years or so being on immune-suppressing agents that only control 50 to 60% of the disease. Um, and uh, uh, I've worked in the UK about four or five years ago. We had about 100, 200 patients on dupilumab, and they've had their lives completely transformed from that. Uh, still doesn't take away from uh, using excellent skincare, moisturizers, and steroid creams, and often they still do have small areas of residual eczema as well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We have included some useful resources, such as a downloadable PowerPoint for you to utilize in conjunction with this podcast. So please visit www.healthcert.com and click on the blog link to download your copy. Feel free to request La Roche-Posay and CeraVe samples, which we will happily provide to your practice.